Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Ujima Spirit Podcast. I am your host, Tika Taylor. This is part two of our discussion on betrayal. We're going to continue where we left off. We're talking about the common negative consequences or outcome of being betrayed. We're going to start off with the eating disorder. Some people who have experienced betrayal can develop eating disorders. One of the eating disorders could be they don't have an appetite. They've lost their appetite. That could be due to the stress that they're experiencing, the anger, the depression, the emotional numbness, the isolation, the humiliation or embarrassment. And it could be due to the grief because they're grieving. All of these emotional experiences could definitely lead them to experience the loss of appetite. Now, some people, because of their loss of appetite, they can lose weight. So some people start losing weight because they have been betrayed. Now, the opposite can happen. Instead of losing weight, people could start gaining a lot of weight because they have an increased appetite. Some people, when they go through a lot of stress, they don't lose their appetite. They increase the appetite by eating a lot. The food becomes their source of comfort. So they're eating to feel better. And their eating gets to be out of control. All right, continuing. Some people experience intrusive thoughts. They start thinking about the act of betrayal, what happened. And as a result of that, they can have an increased intrusive thoughts. Thoughts that happen, you know, that occurs without them thinking about it. It just automatically keeps popping in their head. Obviously, intrusive thoughts are not necessarily good things. Maybe they're thinking about killing their perpetrator, harming them, taking revenge, doing something to make them feel the pain that they inflicted on them. So intrusive thoughts are not controlled by the victim. They're intrusive. They may, they're coming without conscious thought. It's things that are created by the mind. Sometimes when people are traumatized, when they experience PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, that can definitely increase their number of intrusive thoughts. Physical ailments. Some people, when they are under a lot of stress, they start having psychosomatic illnesses, meaning that the mind starts to affect the body. What's going on with their emotions start affecting their body. They can have all type of body aches, stomach aches, headaches, body aches, back aches, all kind of aches in their body because they are stressed out and their body is being affected. Sometimes people have insomnia. They cannot sleep. They cannot sleep because of the racing thoughts, because of the intrusive thoughts, because of the anger, the depression, the emotional numbness, the, the grief, the stress, okay, is very taxing on the body when a person is experiencing all type of emotional distress. Sometimes people go the opposite. Instead of experiencing insomnia, they have, they have, um, 
periods where they excessively sleep. They sleep night and day because they're trying to deal with that trauma. You know, the only way they can deal with it is to shut down completely and go to sleep. Some people oversleep, excessive sleep. Okay. Um, Stress can also lead to a weakened immune system. Because the immune system is compromised because of the stress and the trauma, some people will definitely experience an increase of different type of sickness, whether it be they have more colds and flus and different type of infectional, you know, infections. So that can also happen as well. Some people have emotional pain. We call emotional pain heartache. Some people physically feel pain in their chest. Some people can't breathe. They experience shortness of breath. Some people have heart palpitation, numbness in their bodies, and all that is sign of stress because of the betrayal. They have anxiety attacks or panic attacks. It's something that we need to take very seriously. Again, when people choose to betray people who care about them, people who trust them, people who love them, people who have invested in them, they don't really think about what they're going to take their loved ones through. They really don't think about it. They, you know, if they really thought about it, they would be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to impose these negative consequences onto someone who really cares about me, who really, really love me. Do I want my loved one to experience these negative consequences? Obviously, most people who violate people, who exploit people, who use people, who betray people, they're not really thinking about the consequences of their actions. Obviously, they're not. All right, so people who are in romantic relationships, friendships, or family relationships, they can experience what we call betrayal trauma. Betrayal trauma, that's what it's called. Now, what is the definition of betrayal trauma? It's a trauma perpetrated by someone with whom the victim is emotionally close to and rely upon for support and survival. People or institutions on which a person relies for protection, resources, and survival violates the trust or well-being of that person. So, betrayal trauma usually occurs within family or intimate relationships. These individuals are dependent upon their perpetrator for financial resources, emotional support, basic necessities, and for their safety and protection. These victims fear acknowledging or addressing the betrayal because they may be at risk for physical harm, retaliation, neglect, or abandonment. So they subconsciously bury the trauma by ignoring it, denying it, or forgetting about it. This happens particularly to children who have been abused or neglected by their caregivers, their parents, their guardians, or family members. Now, they usually forget the betrayal or they disassociate from the memory, which may be resurfacing at a different time when it's triggered. All right. 
So this betrayal trauma also takes place in romantic relationships, especially for domestic violence victims. Now, these people, sometimes they have betrayal amnesia because they cannot remember what happened as far as the betrayal. Because if they do consciously remember, they're going to have to take some type of action. And the action they're going to take may separate them from their perpetrator. They may have to leave if they acknowledge that. And if that perpetrator is providing food, clothing, shelter, financial, some type of financial stability, then if they confront that person about the betrayal, the person may leave and end the relationship and now they're going to have no type of support. So because of this acknowledgement of their vulnerable position, some people will have betrayal amnesia so they won't have to deal with the betrayal they will literally subconsciously block the betrayal out let's give an example of that it's a, a woman who's married she is dependent financially on her husband she's not working she has four children she doesn't have the life experience she needs to go out there and be able to survive on her own she doesn't have the financial ability at this time to secure a job that's going to be able to give her enough money to take care of herself and her children. So she knows that her husband is having an affair, but she completely blocks it out. She forgets it. You know, it never happened in her mind. She continues with her life as if nothing ever happened. This is called betrayal amnesia due to the betrayal trauma. All right, let's give another example, betrayal blindness. We have a child who's a victim of child abuse. That child will go to school and act like nothing ever happened. You know, they go home and they see what's going on. That child is being abused. Maybe there's no food in the house. Maybe, you know, the parents are neglectful, leave them at home for hours by themselves. Maybe other people are coming in the house and and violating that child. That child act like all this is normal. You know, I mean, they're not going to tell anybody in the school. They're not going to tell the neighbors. They're not going to tell anybody. They just completely are blinded to this betrayal. They, They don't even see it as betrayal. It just becomes normalized. It's just a everyday life. Because if they did acknowledge that as a form of betrayal, if they confronted their parents or anybody else in the household who's harming them, then there would be repercussions. They may get physically harmed. They may be killed. You know, they may be deprived of food or their basic necessities. So they become blinded to the betrayal. So this is called betrayal blindness. All right, betrayal association, dissociation. When someone pretty much disassociate from the betrayal, they, again, it's like ignoring it, acting like it's not there. All right, so people who suffer from betrayal trauma can definitely have betrayal amnesia, betrayal blindness, and betrayal disassociation. 
Now, unfortunately, at some point in their lives, maybe later on in life, these memories will resurface. When they are triggered, it could be when they enter into another relationship or it could be when they go through something that's similar to what they're going through that will make the memories resurface. Now let's talk about what to expect after betrayal. What happens after a person acknowledges that, you know, some type of betrayal has taken place. Now, denial. Sometimes people can't accept the truth. They refuse to believe the facts. They ignore the reality. They pretend it didn't happen. Because some of these people, again, may be suffering from betrayal trauma. If they're suffering from betrayal trauma, of course, they're not ready to deal with that reality because it may mean that they're going to be harmed, neglected, abused, or they're going to be left without any type of assistance. All right, so we understand why people who are victimized, who are suffering from betrayal, how they could just go into denial. All right, some people go into denial because mentally they cannot accept that someone betrayed them. It's very difficult sometimes to accept the betrayal, especially if you really invested so much in that relationship. You have people who give so much in their relationship. They give financially, they give emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually. They give on all levels and they were so deeply involved. Now it's it's a shock to their system because they can't believe They cannot believe that this person would violate their trust. I mean, so they would go into shock. The next thing that may happen, because not everybody's going to experience these things when they experience betrayal. Some people will, some people won't. But the next one is shock. Some people go into a state of shock. They cannot believe that this individual would violate their trust. They cannot believe it. So... As part of the shock, they could go into denial as well. They just cannot, initially they cannot believe it. They can't process it, you know? Now, later on, they may begin to accept it and they go into the state of them minimizing it. You know, they make a light of it or act like it's not that big of a deal. They, they kind of try to make excuses for it or they try to explain what happened. They minimize it. It's like, well, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, he didn't cheat or maybe she didn't lie or, or maybe, you know, she didn't steal my car or maybe, it, it, you know, they're trying to make sense of it. After coming from the shock and denial, they, they, they minimize the situation because they're trying to make light of it. They're trying to understand it. Their mind cannot fully comprehend what's going on, right? And after minimizing it, sometimes they rationalize. Then, you know, they, they try to understand it. They try to make sense out of the situation. They try to find out why would this person do that? Especially a person who has everything, you know, who, you know, a person, let's give an example for cheating. A person is cheating on their, on their spouse. Their partner has done everything to, to, to provide for them, love them, nurture them 
give them everything they want. I mean, they cannot fathom a reason why their partner would want to cheat. So these are the people that when they're confronted with a betrayal, they, they just can't handle it because they didn't see it coming. There was no sign. Some people have signs. They can see things are kind of adding up. But some people had no clue that they were going to be betrayed. Now, again, betrayal is not just in a romantic relationship. It could be a family, a friendship, or it could be institution, as we discussed in the previous podcast. So it's kind of difficult to wrap your mind around this level of betrayal, especially if you didn't see it coming. You put your trust in your doctor. You would never believe that your doctor would violate your trust and harm you in some type of way by giving you medication with deadly side effects and not inform you of those side effects. Okay? You put your trust in the government. You know that they're going to do their part to keep you safe in the community. And then you find out they're the ones who are instigating certain things. They're using the institutions to manipulate you and harm you. I mean, that is a shock. It's kind of difficult to put your mind around that, that your own government would betray you. It's kind of hard, you know, to believe that the justice system is not providing justice for everyone. It's biased. It discriminates against people. It, it, it puts people in, in positions where they are set up, you know, to be punished even though they're innocent. It's, it's shocking to believe that's happening. Some people cannot wrap their mind around that reality. You cannot believe that the government is allowing people to sell products that are defective, products that can severely injure or kill people. You can't believe that food manufacturers are putting deadly chemicals in your food that has been proven to cause cancer and other diseases. I mean, it's shocking. So when we talk about betrayal, it's not just about romantic relationships family or friendship. We're talking about institutions as well. So keep that in mind. Some people cannot believe that, you know, their governor would do something to harm them. Their state representative, their senators, their local politicians would be corrupt and would be doing things deliberately to sabotage their own community. Some people cannot believe that because they have put so much blind faith in the system that they cannot conceive of someone harming them. Somebody cannot conceive of their pastor or their preacher or the nuns in the church, in the mosque, in the temple, they're molesting their children. They can't believe that you have these children organizations. The YMCA It has been documented that they have staff members that have been accused of molesting children. It's very difficult for people to understand that level of betrayal. Someone can't understand a father having sex with his own daughter. That's incest. That's that level of betrayal that people cannot conceive of. That a mother is having sex with her son. That happens. That a grandparent is abusing, sexually abusing their grandchildren. It's just unbelievable, but it happens. 
It happens all the time. People cannot believe that you have the sporting event. They're sabotaging the athletes, you know, deliberately putting putting them out there and allowing them to do certain things that's going to compromise their health. All right, so we can give a million examples of people who are betrayed and they are in denial. They go into shock and they minimize or rationalize this betrayal because they cannot believe that this is actually happening to them. At some point, they're going to have to come to the acceptance. Acceptance is fully acknowledging what happened, accepting the situation. accepting it and some people once they see the betrayal no matter if it's a personal betrayal it's a collective betrayal or it's something that happened in the family the community the relationship the workplace it's kind of hard for people to accept these things but once they accept it some people can go into the next stage which is anger they become very angry they cannot believe that someone would violate them in this way, all right? So as part of that anger, some people become so upset that they want to retaliate. They want to hurt the perpetrator. They may want to take revenge. They want to be aggressive. They want to be violent. And, you know, we can understand where that anger is coming from, okay? Now, people can understand the anger when individuals are betrayed by a family member, you know, by a loved one in a romantic relationship or a friendship or even at work. But people cannot understand what happens when the government betrays you. All right. And a lot of people, especially people from minority groups, they go out in the street and they protest. Sometimes, you know, they riot. And people don't agree with that. But these people are venting their anger. Okay, when someone who's supposed to protect you, keep you safe, and provide for you, when they violate that trust, it, you know, it is very disturbing. When they do things to set you up, okay, to, to set you up for failure, to set you up for you to fall and, and for you to be oppressed, that is very upsetting. To be controlled, to be abused, that is very upsetting. So the same way that we can understand people in individual relationships feeling this way, we should be able to understand it when people in a collective level, when they feel violated by a government, when they feel violated by an organization, by a business, they feel the same way. So we should be able to understand where that anger is coming from. We could understand why they want to go and run in the streets and, and scream and yell and shout and be upset because they've been deprived. They've been oppressed. They've been subjected to all type of cruelty, brutality, which have led to murders. All right? And living in abject poverty. We should be able to understand that. We're not condoning the violence, but we are giving them permission for them to express the anger in a constructive way. And sometimes it get out of hand. I'm not condoning any act of violence, but I understand as a human being that once a person is violated, 
so severely that that person can feel that level of rage. I understand that. Okay. Now, they want to vent. The next stage is that the person may want to vent their emotions. They may want to talk to somebody. They may want to just scream and shout and just get out all this pent-up emotion. They want somebody to understand, someone who's unbiased, somebody who could be objective. They want somebody that could understand what they're going through. This is what happens when somebody go to a betrayal, go through a betrayal. Okay, they, they have a different range of emotions. They have several emotions from shock to anger to rage to feeling upset to feeling violated to feeling exposed to feeling vulnerable. They, they feel all kind of things. So they need the opportunity to vent their emotions, especially in a constructive way. Okay. Confusion. They don't fully understand exactly what's happening to cause the betrayal. It doesn't make sense. The betrayal doesn't make sense to them. Because of that, you know, they're going around trying to find answers. Then the next step could be depression, sadness. Once they fully process the betrayal and they understand what's going on, sometimes they go into a deep state of depression. They feel bad about the betrayal. Sometimes they'll cry, they'll scream. Some people go numb. It hurts so bad. It, they go numb. They can't even talk. They can't even talk. All they could do is cry. Some people, all they could do is sleep. They cannot deal with the emotions. It's overwhelming. And, I, and I'm describing the things that people go through every day. Every day someone is betrayed. Someone is experiencing these depths of emotions. Guilty. After the depression, sometimes they feel guilt, feeling it may have been their fault for the betrayal, especially if the perpetrator is blaming them. They feel guilty. They feel shame and embarrassed. Feeling ashamed or embarrassed in front of family, friends, others because of the betrayal. It's pretty embarrassing for someone that you put your trust in, you love, that you invested so much in, that you gave so much to, that you believed in, for this person to violate your trust. It's very disturbing. It's very upsetting. And anyone who's listening to this podcast can relate. Because again, it is a human experience. We live in this world that makes it more tolerable for people to betray each other. All right? Emotional distress, feeling anxious, nervous, or overwhelmed by their emotions. Feeling emotionally overwhelmed, dealing with multiple emotions. It's emotionally distressful. Loneliness, feeling alone and lonely without anyone to provide emotional support or comfort. It's kind of hard for people to talk about being betrayed because of the shame, the guilt, because they're embarrassed, they cannot talk about what they're feeling. So sometimes people can self-isolate. 
they can just remove themselves from everybody and they go into their own little cocoon or their own little world because they cannot cope with the embarrassment, the shame, the guilt, the distress, the anger, the pain, the heartache. They can't deal with it, so they go into the state of loneliness. Fear. Sometimes people experience fear, feeling scared about what's happening and the consequences of the betrayal. Okay, there are consequences of betrayed. You know, person, they fear that they're going to have to break up or divorce or separate from this individual. They may have to move out, relocate somewhere else. And if there's children involved, now they have to think about the needs of the children. Who's going to provide for the children? Who's going to assist with the regular everyday routine childcare? Financial burdens other household responsibilities. So when a person betrays you, now you have to separate from that person. You're going to have to leave them alone and that disrupts your normal life. You know, you go to a state of chaos, of uncertainty, of insecurity. You don't know what's going to happen. And that can definitely create a lot of stress for some people. It could be very traumatizing for them at this time. You know, they really don't know what's going on. There's a certain level of instability in their lives that can be very stressful. And some people can really kind of contemplate the revenge and retaliation, feeling of getting justice or just getting even, the need to make them pay for that betrayal. It could be make them pay on a financial level, physical, emotional, to make them feel the pain and the suffering that was inflicted upon them. You know, some people really, after going through all these reigns of emotions, they can come back to the revenge and the retaliation because they just are so overwhelmed by what happened. They're so overwhelmed by what happened, you know, now that they completely process it, they don't see a way out of it. They don't see how they're going to handle this betrayal. So some people, the anger escalates and now they want to go and retaliate. They want to go after that person. They want to correct the wrong that was done, so to speak. And we can understand the feeling, but then you have to be careful at that point because you don't want to do anything that's going to be self-sabotaging. You're not going to do something that's going to create a problem for you short term or long term. So you have to be careful of the steps that you take when you're in that revenge and retaliation state. Got to be careful because you don't want to compromise yourself in any way. All right, we're going to continue. Now, we're going to talk about what happens when people perceive a betrayal But in actuality, a betrayal didn't take place. Feeling or perceiving betrayal doesn't mean it's a real experience. Now, we're going to just briefly talk about that because some people do believe that a betrayal took place and a betrayal didn't take place. Now, why? Why does that happen? People have what we call distorted thinking or perception. They have distorted thinking. All right, something went wrong, you know? So let's talk about 
what would make a person believe that someone betrayed them if the person didn't betray them? So we have delusional. Some people, they are delusional, believing a lie or falsehood. In other words, the mind is playing tricks on them. Some people, they believe that someone did something to them, but it didn't happen. So because it's, it's a matter of interpretation, some people have paranoid problem. They're paranoid and they're suspicious of everybody. Because of that, they're looking for the evidence. So any sign that may be an indication that someone is doing something wrong, someone is betraying them, they over-exaggerate that. Okay, they're reaching the wrong conclusion. They're reaching the wrong conclusion. They're believing a lie. So distorted thinking is definitely one of the reasons why people perceive someone is betraying them, and actually they're not. Irrational thoughts. They have fabrications of the mind. People just have irrational thoughts. They see something and they take it to a whole nother level. They may, let's take, give an example of infidelity. They see their wife talking on the phone and automatically they assume because of the irrational thoughts, because of the distorted thinking, they assume that she's cheating. A woman, you know, uh, finds out that her husband is working late. He's at the office often now. Automatically, she believes because of the irrational thought, there's no evidence, there's no proof. She automatically assumes that he's having an affair. Okay? Someone can say something and that person can believe you're being rude or disrespectful, even though that statement was not rude or disrespectful in any way. It's subjected to interpretation. So we got to be careful with that. Intrusive thoughts. Imagination, it's not reality. Just because a person has an intrusive thought that is not based on any facts, on any reality, it's something that just popped in your head. Automatically, you believe it to be true. It's a sign that, oh yeah, how do you know? Oh, because it came up to my mind. Oh, because I had a vision. Because, you know, I had a revelation. Okay, but what is that based on? Is it based on any truth? No, it's an irrational thought. It's an intrusive thought that has nothing to do with reality. Limited beliefs. When a person believes that everything is bad, everyone is against them, everybody's going to betray them, this is the way life works and, you know, it's going to happen to them, it happened in the past, it's going to happen again. This is called a limited negative belief. And if a person has that limited negative belief, of course, they're going to take anything that happened and they're going to misinterpret it. And they're going to assume automatically that somebody is betraying them. And that's not a fact. Under the influence, if somebody's under the influence of drugs and alcohol, of course, they're going to become delusional. They may not see reality for what reality is because they are under the influence. And if they're under the influence of drugs and alcohol, their perception of reality is going to be automatically distorted. So you can't trust your judgment when you're under the influence of alcohol or drugs. And sometimes it's prescription drugs as well, whether you're taking prescription drugs for a medical problem or a mental health problem. So people who have mental health problems, if they're paranoid, you know, it's a symptom of a disorder. 
All right? So they're going to hear things sometimes. They hallucinate. Auditory hallucination. They hear things that are not actually there. They see things. Visual hallucination. They are not, not there. So if a person been diagnosed with schizophrenia, they're been diagnosed with a psychosis, they're not in touch with reality. If they're not in touch with reality, then they can't tell you what's going on in reality because they're having a misperception of reality. Reality is distorted. Okay? So based on distorted thinking, people can perceive someone as doing something that they're not doing. And sometimes people will act as if it's a fact, when in reality, it's not a fact. It's based on their imagination. Just want to put that out there because some people have been accused of things that actually did not happen. All right? Now, people with mental health problems will make up things. They will tell you that you are a liar, you're a cheater, you uh, violated them, you hurt them, you abused them. In reality, you didn't do any of that to them. They're making the whole thing up. It happens. Now, unrealistic expectation. A person may not have a mental health problem. They may not be under the influence of alcohol or drugs. They may not have a limited negative belief or they may not have intrusive thoughts or irrational thoughts. They may not be delusional, but they have unrealistic expectation. They assume someone is in a relationship with them and the person is not in a relationship with them. Oh, you, 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 you know, you cheated on me, but we're not together. We're not in a relationship. The person never made a commitment to be monogamous. The people never made an agreement. The person never made an agreement to be faithful to you because they're not with you. So some people have an unrealistic expectation. And that's the reason why they feel someone betrayed them. Okay. They assume you're automatically going to do something without discussing it with you or having an agreement. If you assume someone is going to do something without getting them to agree, then you're delusional. Okay? You have unrealistic expectations. You assume somebody is going to be honest and trustworthy when you never had a discussion with them about what you want them to be honest about. If you don't communicate with someone your expectations of them and they don't agree to fulfill the expectation, how can they betray you? Remember, in order for there to be a betrayal, there have to be a trust. If there's no trust agreement, then there's no betrayal. Giving someone the benefit of the doubt prematurely without knowing them. You're being naive. How can you trust someone that you don't know? If you're trusting someone to do something and you have no idea who that person is, how can you be betrayed? How can you be betrayed? You have to have some type of understanding of what you're getting yourself into before you give your trust. Okay? Before you give your trust, you have to have trust in order to be betrayed. You trust that they're going to do this. But why would you trust they're going to do this if you don't know who they are? You don't know what's going on. So that is what we call unrealistic expectation. And a lot of people do place their trust in the individuals and organizations and governments and, you know, businesses where 
they shouldn't place their trust. These people have not earned your trust. These people have a track record of violating other people, of using and abusing, exploiting other people. Why would you place your trust in them when they have a long history of hurting other people or violating other people's trust? So you have what they call unrealistic expectation. Unrealistic expectation. So if you have that, then, you know, you, you're believing someone is violating you or betraying you. They're actually not. You put your trust in the wrong person deliberately. Okay? Now, previous betrayal from others. If a person had childhood trauma, their parents with family members, yeah, they're going to perceive everybody else as violating their trust. Because they already have that foundation and they haven't allowed themselves to heal. They have unresolved issues. All right? A person who had relationship infidelity or betrayal in the past, they haven't allowed themselves to heal from that trauma. So yeah, they're going to perceive everybody as being unfaithful. Institutional betrayal. If a person had been a victim of institutional betrayal, yeah, they're not going to be able to trust. So the slightest thing that they notice, they're going to exaggerate. They're going to take it to the extreme and accuse people of being betrayal, betraying them. They're going to accuse people of betraying them once they notice any little thing because they already have that type of background. Okay, now let's talk about loss of illusion. Okay, what is the loss of illusion? When someone automatically assumes something to be without any proof. How we perceive or expect things to be when there may be a painful reality. We create an illusion not to deal with reality. Okay, loss of Illusion. When you automatically assume something to be without any facts or proof. You just automatically assume that this person is going to be a nice person. So I'm going to hitchhike and I'm going to get in the car and I'm going to believe that I'm going to be safe. Now, yeah, you may get in the car with a total stranger and that person may not hurt you or harm you. But this is what you call an illusion. Okay. Now, if that person actually hurt you, you're going to feel betrayed. Oh my God, this person betrayed my trust. But your trust was a betrayal. In the Your trust was an illusion in the first place. This, this person, okay, was a stranger to you. You don't know this individual. And you blindly put your trust in them and expect them not to betray you. That is what we call an illusion. So you have to lose that illusion. You cannot have this illusion and expect to have a good result. Now, sometimes you get lucky that, you know, you may get in the car with a total stranger and you place your trust and obviously that person don't hurt you. Okay. You may leave the club with a total stranger and the stranger may not rape you. Yeah. But remember now you're practicing illusion. So you have to get rid of this illusion. It's called loss of illusion because that's going to get you in trouble. Loss of illusion, you automatically assume something without any proof because you want to live in this fantasy world. 
Maybe your reality is too painful. You don't want to cope with your reality. So you want to fool yourself. You want to trick yourself into thinking it's okay. You create an illusion not to deal with reality. All right? We call it fantasy. All right? And some people do that when they marry people. Okay? They want to believe this illusion, this fantasy, this lie that this individual is a good person. Yeah. He's a good person. Yeah, she's a great person. She's wonderful. No, she's not. No, he's not. But you have created this illusion for yourself. When that person violates you, that person betrays you, then you have the loss of the illusion because then reality sets in. This is the reality. This person is not a good person. This person is not an innocent person. This person doesn't have a conscience. This person don't have any empathy or compassion for you. This person will hurt you or kill you. That is the reality. It's a painful reality. But you want to live in a bubble. You want to be delusional, believe a lie. So you create this illusion. So at some point, you're going to have to lose the illusion. It's called a loss of illusion. All right, we're going to continue. Recovering from betrayal. How do you recover? How do you recover? All right, let's go. Acknowledge the betrayal. Consciously and honestly, acknowledge the betrayal. Don't suppress it, avoid it, deny it, or excuse it. Acknowledge the betrayal. Yes, I was betrayed. I put my trust in somebody and they betrayed me. Or maybe I put premature trust in someone and they betrayed me. I should have never put my trust in that individual because... I was suffering from the illusion. I was delusional. That person wasn't worthy of my trust. You got to be honest with yourself. When you're wrong, you're wrong. All right? And not that I'm blaming you for the betrayal because it's not your fault. But sometimes we put our trust in people prematurely or we put our trust in the wrong person. We should never have given them that trust. So we have to acknowledge that. In order for us to recover from betrayal, we have to acknowledge that happened. Allow yourself to process the emotions, the positive emotions and the negative emotions. You have to be aware of what you're feeling, the anger, the disappointment, the sadness, the frustration, the humiliation, and regret. You've got to allow yourself to feel it. It may be painful, but you have to allow yourself to feel it. Explore the reasons it happened. Be realistic. A lack of intimacy, honesty, transparency, delusional, being delusional or living in a lie. We got to be honest. You know, why did this happen? It's important to explore that because you're trying to prevent certain things from happening. And, you know, you don't want to repeat a cycle. You don't want to have this bad habit of trusting people that's going to violate you. At the same time, you also want to learn lessons. What lesson did you learn from this? What lesson did you learn from the situation? Something good came out of this. What's, what is it? Try to find out what it is. Don't take blame for the perpetrator's action. Okay? You cannot take responsibility for somebody else's action. Accept personal responsibility for your fault, mistakes, or wrongdoing, which had nothing to do with the other person's decision. Okay? You just have to take responsibility for your part and let them take responsibility for their part. Don't put the burden on yourself for what they did. 
No, just deal with you and let them deal with them then. Understand self and how this betrayal impacted you on all levels. We talk about the negative impacts of the betrayal. So it's important to see if you are dealing with some of those negative effects. Do you feel traumatized? Do you feel angry? Do you feel violated? Do you feel that you want to isolate yourself? Do you feel self-doubt? Do you feel your self-esteem has been impacted by it? You have to review that to see how you are affected so you can seek help. So you can deal with those specific areas. Regaining sense of control of emotions and your life. You're doing all that to regain a sense of control and emotion. Because when you experience betrayal, you can feel that your whole life is out of control. Everything is out of control. Your emotions is out of control. Your thoughts are out of control. Everything is just overwhelming. So it's very important when you go through recovery to get a sense of control of your emotions in your life. Try to get things back into order. Try to... Put yourself in another level. Ask for help or assistance if you're unable to handle the situations. You have family, you have friends available to you. If not, you can. You have therapists that you can get help from, counselors, or you could join a support group. Take the time to heal. Don't rush the healing process. Take your time. It could take a couple weeks, a couple months, even a couple years. Set new boundaries, limits, or rules as you learn your lesson. You know, as you find out what you did wrong. Maybe you gave too much trust. Maybe you gave trust too early. Maybe you gave trust to the wrong person or group or institution. So it's very important for you to assess what happened and how can you make things different or better. Forgive when you are ready to. No pressure. Forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness is not about the perpetrator. It's about you letting go of the anger, the fear, the worry, the doubt, you know, all that negative emotion that you're carrying on your back, all those things that are weighing you down. You want to let them go. You want to let them go. So forgiveness is about you letting those things go, letting that person go. Even though physically you may have already let the person go, but emotionally, mentally, you're still holding on to these painful memories. You keep reliving those things in your mind over and over and over and over again. And you have to let them go so you can move forward and complete your healing process. Allow the perpetrator to make amends after apologizing. If a person comes to you and they're sincerely sorry about what they've done, and they're, show, they're showing you with their actions or they've done certain things already to show you that they're serious about it, you know, allow them to apologize if you're ready, if you want that. If not, usually if you're not in the position to forgive, then you don't want to hear no apologies. When you're in the position to forgive, then you will be able to allow them the opportunity to apologize to you. All right. Trust your perception. Once you go through this, and this is real, it's not something that happened in your mind, you know, you have to learn to trust your intuition. Your intuition will guide you, will let you know that something is not right here. Something feels bad. Something is not in the right place. If you feel that intuitively, you need to go ahead on and follow up and find out what's going on so you can correct the situation. Rebuild trust one step at a time. Learn how to rebuild your trust. Now, practice self-care. 
If you're going through such a traumatic experience and you may have the betrayal trauma, you know, so it's very important that you take care of yourself. Eat properly, exercise, sleep properly, get proper amount of water, get your sunlight, you know, meditate, sleep. You do, you do all the things that can make you better. All right. Now, find new ways of relaxing and de-stressing. All right. After you practice your basic self-care, you can find new ways to relax and make yourself feel better. Get into music. Music that's soothing your soul. Relax. Okay. Get into aromatherapy. Smell things that's going to make you feel good. That you can relax. Dance like nobody's watching. Walk in the park. Go for a swim in the beach. Garden. Get into the plants. Get the positive energy from the plants. Connect with close friends and family. Enjoy their company and have fun. Get help if you need it or if it's necessary. Open your heart to trust and love again, despite your past pain or sorrow. Okay? Now, learning to trust again. It's not easy, but don't be so quick to trust. Some people have blind trust. They automatically give others unearned trust. Assuming the person, the group, the institution is trustworthy. As learning to trust again, you have to take your time to trust people. You have to learn to assess the situation. Find out what's going on as much as you can. If you have to trust, and it's a situation where you have to trust immediately, you try to your best to trust your intuition, to look at your surroundings, assess what's going on, talk to different people if possible, so you can make a trust. You can make a, a decision to trust. Now, if you have time and you don't have to hurry up to make a decision right away, it's not that type of situation, take your time. Do your research. Find out what's going on. Before, question everything. Ask questions before you blindly give your trust, whether it be to an individual, a family member, a love um, romantic relationship, a friend, a neighbor, or an institution, a business, government, organization, ask questions, okay? Ask questions. If you have any self-doubt, any worries, any concern, make sure you ask questions. Don't just quiet your intuition. Don't try to suppress your intuition. If your mind is telling you something is wrong, nine times out of ten, something is wrong, okay? Get to know someone or the group. You may not be able to recognize, you know, certain things, their traits, characteristics, strength, vulnerabilities, vice, or virtue. You may not be able to recognize if this person is good or bad. You you may not be able to make a judgment call. But if you spend time and you look at the traits, the characteristics, these people's strength, their vulnerability, their vice, their virtues, then you can make a better assessment. Time will reveal these things. Then you can see them more realistically to establish the levels of trust. Gradually learn to trust over a period of time with experience. Okay, you need time and experience to learn how to trust again. Only time and experience will help you build your ability, your traits to be able to learn how to trust. Okay, it's easier to trust someone who have respect for you, knowing your value, worth, 
or importance, these individuals are more likely to treat you with dignity and integrity without compromising you. Very important. We have to learn to trust people who have respect for us. If these people don't have no respect for us, how can we trust them? You know what I'm saying? We can't trust them if they don't respect us. Very important. Loving someone is not equated to trusting them. We can love people but can't trust them because of many reasons. You can love someone but you can't trust them because they're immature. They're ignorant. They lack life experience. They're selfish. They're stubborn. They're egotistical. They have a drug problem. They have a mental health problem. Okay? People have all kind of issues that make them untrustworthy. Even though you may love them, but you can't trust them. Trust takes time to establish. Through experience, trial, error, tribulation, crisis. When we go through things with people, that's when we learn to trust them. We go through good things or we go through bad things or both. We have to have time to learn how to trust people. Now understand the risk that comes with trusting someone. And know you can handle the consequences because you have high self-esteem. You have knowledge and resources and support. Okay? You understand betrayal. You understand disappointment. You've been through a broken heart already, I'm sure. (laughs) Most people have been. And so you know that you came out of those things and you will survive. So trusting is just part of the loving relationship. It's part of any relationship. Whether it's family, whether it's friend, whether it's a romantic, whether institutional, we have to be able to establish trust in order for us to interact and relate to others. Now, knowing that life is all about taking calculated risks, we learn through trial and error, we learn by taking chances to see what actually works for us. This learning process obviously may involve some type of betrayal. As human beings, We cannot avoid all risks of betrayal. That's impossible. So you can't say that you're not going to live your life. You're not going to have relationship. You're not going to give people trust because you've been betrayed. You know, we cannot say that. That's very childish. That's very immature because life is all about taking risks. Every time we get in a car, we're taking a risk. Every time we get on an airplane, we're taking a risk. Every time we eat at a restaurant, we're taking a risk. Every time we, you know, walk down the street, we're taking a risk. It's a calculated risk. There's a possibility we may get hurt, possibility we may get injured, possibility we may die. So yet we still take those risks. It's the same thing with relationships. We're going to have to take risks. All right. Don't adopt the victimhood mindset or mentality for emotional comfort and safety. The poor me attitude. All right. We cannot do that. Unfortunately, things happen. Things happen. It happens to everyone at some point in their lives. Not just you. It's a normal part of living in this world. This mindset can help reduce the emotional intensity of pain and make recovery easier. It's very important that we understand that life is all about chance and risk. And we have to weigh the good and the bad the con and the pros, advantage and disadvantage in everything that we do. 
We have to assess it. We have to learn how to make good assessments. Sometimes we're able to prevent certain things from happening. And sometimes we can't. We just have to learn how to deal with the consequences. We try to minimize the risk. You know, we try not to expose ourselves to high risk. But if it happens, we're ready and prepared to deal with it and move forward and allow ourselves to heal and just get up and keep living. Thank you so much. Thank you.